Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our health care system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Health Care, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our health care system as it exists and as it could be. For better health care and a better health care system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Health Care on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. Today's show will cover how you can be assured that you're seeing a physician who's going to give you great care. You know, that's one of the reasons I started Dr. Score. I started the Dr. Score um, doctor rating website, not just so that doctors could get feedback from their patients very easily, but also to make the quality of medical care in the United States a little more transparent to help patients be able to see how satisfied patients were with doctors. But patient satisfaction is only one aspect of medical quality. We also want to make sure our doctors are technically capable of giving us great medical care. We have in place a system of certification in specialties and subspecialties of medicine. This system is run by boards of medical specialties. On today's show, we're going to learn about these boards, what it means for a physician to be board certified, and what to watch out for. Our guest today is Dr. Kevin Weiss. He's president and CEO of the American Board of Medical Specialties. Dr. Weiss is a professor of clinical medicine in the Division of General Medicine and in the Institute for Healthcare Studies at the Northwestern University School of Medicine. He's devoted his career to quality and access issues in primary care. He helped found the Chicago Patient Safety Forum and he served as its first chairperson. He developed a master's in patient safety and healthcare quality at Northwestern University and serves on national panels on clinical performance measurement and performance improvement. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Um, why don't we just start, if you could just tell our listeners what the ABMS is, what that stands for, and what you do. Uh, the American Board of Medical Specialties uh, stands for uh, an organization that oversees uh, the process where um, uh, doctors get certified uh, in their specialties, whether it be pediatrics or obstetrics or um, uh, internal medicine, surgery. In my case, uh, dermatology. Have, in dermatology, exactly. We have uh, 24 um, boards that make up the American Board of Medical Specialties. That include many of the boards we just talked about and others. And among them, those 24 boards, they also um, uh, provide certificates for another 120 plus subspecialties. So there's about 140 board certificates that um, uh, are part of what we like to call the 
ABMS Board Enterprise activities. So as I understand it, it's a lot of work to get into medical school to begin with. You have to be a college graduate and all. You get into a medical school, you finish up, and they call you doctor. At what point uh, is the American Board of Medical Specialties becoming involved? That's a great question. The um, uh, most most folks um, will think about a doctor uh, in terms of uh, going to a specialist and don't realize that that has been a really long journey. Uh, and uh, it starts in medical school, but most medical students don't really um, commit to a specialty until their last couple years where they look for a residency training. And, and once they enter residency training, they will then complete their residency training and then become board eligible. Now, the boards have, are actually involved pretty early in the process because a lot of what the residency training looked like reflects what the boards are expecting doctors to be ready and prepared to um, uh, become board certified. So the so, boards are actually involved pretty early in residency training by helping set the blueprint for what what uh, is important for specialty. But an individual doctor doesn't get a chance to apply for a board certification until uh, at least three and sometimes as many as seven or eight years after they finish medical school. So in my case, I was trained as a dermatologist. My residency training program wouldn't have been as valuable if they hadn't covered the things the ABMS wants to see. Correct, correct. And there's a, there's a, it's an interesting process because uh, there's a, a lot of um, uh, physicians from across the country get together, um, leaders in the field uh, who help think about what's really important for the competencies for a physician to have. And uh, so it's a, a very deliberate process, and it's all there to protect the public. I like that. So to protect the public, the doctor has to have certain competencies. They should be good at what they do. Um, having board certification helps the public know that the doctor's competent in their field. But those kinds of things, what it takes to be competent, must be something that evolves tremendously over time. Oh, it takes, a, it takes a long time to master a field of medicine. I mean, think about what it would be like if um, we didn't have uh, a process that identified specialists. So you didn't know, you know, when a, when a doctor uh, uh, hung uh, his or her, sh- her shingle uh, on the door and said, uh, I'm, I'm a um, neurologist, but you didn't know if um, they really had good training. And, in fact, uh, a medical license in any of our states um, is a general license to practice medicine. It doesn't, there are no specialty licenses. Um, the only way that you know your doctor has officially trained and has passed uh, a high set of standards is if they carry a board certification in neurology, for example. Okay. So it takes a lot to become a doctor to achieve board certification, but medicine is an evolving field, changing all the time. I imagine that that board certification evolves over time to meet the needs of modern medicine? Yes. Uh, and every, uh, every year the boards look to see what information is new um, that um, needs to be uh, part of uh, keeping people um, up to date in their field. And uh, about um, 20 years ago, now the boards have been certifying in, in, uh, in various, various of the boards started earlier than others, but we've been going for uh, almost uh, 80 years now in, uh, for our earliest boards. Uh, but about 20 years ago, it was realized that um, you can't just 
finish your training and take a test, and then you're competent for life. The boards um, started having what was called time-limited certificates, which required a recertification every um, number of years. And that evolved further into a more complex recertification program, which we now call maintenance of certification. And um, so the um, physicians who uh, have their board certification now are expected to periodically um, be reassessed so that we know that they're keeping up to date. I imagine that you want to do more than just make sure they're up to date. Um, if, if, you, if the goal is really to give the public reassurance that they're seeing a high-quality doctor, you have to, in some way, measure doctor quality. And that cannot be an easy thing to do. Not at all. It's not an easy thing at all to do. Um, and um, the program, which we call maintenance certification, actually has several components. The first is we want to make sure that um, that that your doctor is uh, doing enough studying uh, on the topics and staying topically uh, up to date. So in, continuing in medical education. So it's uh, medical edu- continuing medical education activities and and not just doing these, but um, uh, passive learning, but they actually get a chance to, uh, they're, they're expected to do learning, which asks them to take tests at the end of that and uh, make sure they've absorbed the knowledge. And then we do a formal examination of knowledge as part of this um, recertification process. And then the most in, uh, interesting activity, which is we've started in the past few years, is called measuring um, actual practice um, uh uh, quality. So um, uh, uh, what we're looking at is how well is, the, is, is your doctor actually doing in practice? Um, and that involves, for example, if um, uh, you're doing diabetes care, to the doctor who's board certified is now expected to uh, actually measure the quality of diabetes care that they're doing and then send that information to their board and the board evaluates to see that um, the physician is uh, is actually looking at the quality of care, not just knows about the quality of care. We've discussed continuing medical education on this program recently. We've discussed trying to measure doctor quality a couple times in the past. It's a hard thing to measure. Um, let's say you're you're not just measuring did the doctor order a hemoglobin A1C since you've raise the, the, the point about diabetes, measuring how good, whether the doctor is measuring um, patient's blood sugar. But you ideally, you would like to show that they're actually keeping the blood sugar under control. And that would be a, a nice measure of quality, except that the doctor takes on the hardest patients who's really who maybe non-adherent to their medicine or for whatever reason, they, the genetically, their sugar doesn't want to come under control. If you're just measuring their blood sugar, their, their patient's blood sugar, they may be doing the best possible medical care, and yet their outcomes may not be so hot. Um, how, how do you deal with that? Oh, you're, you're raising some great, great uh, issues. Um, I think um, what um, the average person listening should be assured of is as we uh, assess physicians, we recognize that no one patient is the same, and no one patient who has high blood pressure or diabetes or who has uh, a need for a hernia repair or heart, um, a valve problem, um, everyone's pretty much unique. Um, 
what we what we're beginning to um, examine and look at quality of care, we have to look at groups of patients um, from one doctor to the next and uh, allow doctors to compare their patients with doctors who deliver similar type of care to similar types of patients. And there's a uh, way of talking about this is case mix adjustment and severity um, adjustment. These are uh, more technical terms, but it's basically allowing us to judge the quality of one doctor in the context of um, how they would do with a similar set of patients and circumstances as uh, other colleagues in the field. Now, that's a, not an easy task, and we're just learning how to do that well. Uh, but that's the direction we are going and, and the direction we need to go because um, you're, very con- you're very right concerned that um, each patient may be different, and if a physician has a particularly difficult set of patients um, by way of uh, their genetic background or because of access to care or something, that they need to be able to know that when you compare them, you're comparing them to another doctor who looks and whose patients um, have the same tend to have the same background. I have the sense that doctors love their patients, and, and I don't know if what I'm about to say applies to doctors or to many doctors, but when they start measuring quality of hospitals, one of the things people were very concerned about was that hospitals would just try to avoid the sick patients to make their scores look better. Are you potentially creating a system where doctors would try to avoid um, the sickest patients or the most difficult to treat patients in order to make their quote quality close quote look good for their certification purposes yeah I think we have to first start by um, recognizing that um, uh, and I deeply believe this and I and I'm sure you do as well as well as many of your listeners that uh, as physicians go to work each day trying uh, aiming to just deliver really wonderful care that the, that it would be the unusual and rare doctor who's going to to, to work for any other purpose than that. And so uh, there may be some doctors there who may want to, as we would might call it, uh, gain a system of measurement to their advantage. But most doctors, I think, actually want to learn and do the best care they possibly can. Um, I think the, um, the, um, uh, in, uh, in the drive to make a doctor want to um, uh, 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 do something such as avoid a patient care would be if if the uh, incentives were too high uh, associated with with the care process and so we have to make them um, uh, this assessment this board certification something that they feel is a learning activity um, uh, and, uh, and and something where they can actually do improvement and if they find that they're having a problem that we're there as the profession to help them improve their care rather than just penalize them for the process. Now, there was a great experiment of, of the very issue that you raised up um, in New York many years ago when they first started producing data on coronary bypass um, among hospitals, and this was in New York State. And what they found at first is, is that some physicians were doing better, and it was partly because of the patients they were, they were um, seeing. And, in fact, uh, in some cases, some patients actually um, uh, had to go out of state uh, for that process, but once uh, everyone understood the data and they started taking a look at what was going on, that all self-corrected within a couple of years. And uh, that system now of measuring quality 
of uh, coronary bypass which has been adopted across the country and is considered uh, um, uh, just excellent. I was in Japan just uh, a week ago, and um, they were commenting on how they would like to have a system where they could actually go onto the Internet and see what kind of quality of care that they could get for their cardiac diseases. So it's, it's nice to know that other countries are beginning to, uh, physicians in other countries are looking at our system and saying this is the kind of transparency that's needed for, for people uh, who want to choose the best uh, quality care. You're listening to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman. We're speaking today with Dr. Kevin Weiss, President and CEO of the American Board of Medical Specialties. You mentioned transparency. Um, Many of my listeners know that I started one of the online doctor rating sites because I'm a big believer that patients should have, um, that, that they should see how well doctors are doing. And it's not because I think doctors are doing a bad job. It's because I think doctors are doing an overwhelmingly positive job. And shoot, we should be transparent and let let people see that. Uh, Is patient satisfaction measurement a part of the board certification requirements in any of the specialties? Or is is that something that will be coming? Yes. So that is actually uh, another uh, important point is the uh, American Board of Medical Specialties, in their setting their standards for the, the boards that um, uh, I spoke of earlier, um, have uh, set a, uh, a, a new standard that we're working on that involves the measurement of patients' communications with their doctors. Uh, uh, and this involves trying to understand uh, how patients feel about how well their doctor is listening, how well they're communicating, whether they seem to feel like their doctor is um, actually is concerned about their health problems and whether they whether their doctor explains things in ways that they can understand. And uh, uh, we have a number of our boards now who are beginning to test out how to do these surveys in practice and uh, ranging uh, all the way from primary care to a number of the subspecialties of surgery. So we're very excited about this. Um, we're also going to be testing out surveys of, um, of how doctors treat other doctors and other healthcare professionals. We call it a peer survey activity, and seeing how that develops, um, whether or not we can actually measure that well um, and make, uh, make those available. Um, this is very important for physicians to be able to um, uh, reflect on what their patients are saying about them in a way where they can compare what their patients are saying to where um, uh, other patients are saying about other doctors. And that kind of feedback will, can do nothing but improve the healthcare system. You were raising so many things that I find very interesting. For example, being a dermatologist, I see patients who are referred from family physicians. And I'll tell you, they send me people where they made the wrong diagnosis, where they've given the wrong treatment, where they've given treatments that have made things worse. You know, in my 20 years of practice, I could probably count on one hand the number of times I saw a rash that the referring family physician managed to cure. And um, most people are like horrified when they hear me say that, but they got to realize that every time the family physician makes the right diagnosis, prescribes the right treatment, and the patient gets well, they don't send me those patients. So I only get to see their failures. Um, and so I wonder when you look at a peer-to-peer surveying, to what extent you have to be mindful of selection bias. Um, I think it's reasonable for the family physician to rate me when they send me a patient. So hopefully a high percentage of the patients that they send to me will be happy when they go back to the family physician. 
But if you're asking me to rate the quality of care given by the family physician, you know, I know that I'm not seeing all the good work they're doing. Oh, absolutely. And, and the peer-to-peer survey is not um, really to measure the quality of care uh, from one peer to another. That would be very hard to judge from a distance. It's really talking about how well, um, if one doctor reaches out to another, does that other doctor respond in a timely fashion? Do they communicate well back? Do they provide the kind of information that was asked of that other physician? And do they do so in a professional way? Um, there are so many uh, problems that happen in the healthcare system because of lack of good communication between care providers, um, between um, uh, transitions in care. So when a person uh, goes from a um, from their primary doctor to a specialty doctor, that the information not may not go with them, or when they come back from that specialty doctor to the primary care doctor, they may have taken a couple of fancy and extensive tests, but they can't get that information back, or the Specialty doctor may not interpret it um, in a, a way that's useful for the doc for the primary doctor. It's those kinds of issues of um, of communication and professional behavior and between doctors uh, that uh, we're, we're looking at because it's so important to have a um, for the patient's sake for for your listeners' sake to have doctors uh, who really can talk to each other in a very comfortable and easy way and get good information flow so that their care um, uh, is optimal. I'm writing myself a note to make sure the lab work I do gets back to the primary care doctors who send me patients. There you go. Yeah, um, be, that's exactly it. You know, when I went into medicine, I thought, I'm going to be a good doctor. I'm going to make the right diagnosis for patients, and I'm going to give them the right treatment. And then I, being a test tube nerd scientist kind of guy, I was um, horrified to find out that that was only half the battle, that these communication points that you're bringing up are critical to providing patients great medical care, not just between the doctors, but also the doctor's relationship with the patient. Um, so board certification is going to begin to measure that. In the that. New York Times, oh, I'm sorry, no. um, but I'm, what you just said reminded me there was a nice article in the New York Times from a psychiatrist who spoke just to that point, that he had a patient who had lots of anxiety and he spent so much time uh, uh, w- with her over the years just uh, having this particular woman go in and out uh, and prescribing her medicine that he didn't take a listen to what was causing the anxiety in her life and and helping her work through those those issues and it was it, and it's um, just a great story about how listening and communicating can actually solve the problems where sometimes medicine is uh, not going to. Uh, Dr. Weiss, the ABMS is um, giving doctors certification and that helps the public. What are other things that the ABMS provides directly to the public? I think the most important thing is we actually make it very uh, straightforward for people to figure out if their doctor is board certified. And and um, we're very proud that more than 80% of the physician community uh, carries one or more of our our board certificates. Uh, but that means that one in five doctors don't. And um, and the, we really strongly believe that, um, and there's evidence in, uh, in, and uh, research that shows that doctors who are board certified by one of our boards do do better care. So we provide a free service for anyone who wants to know if their doctor is certified to, to, to uh, find that out. Um, you just visit. That, it's simply just going to our website, abms.org, and it'll take you through the process of is my doctor board certified. Perfect. Now, is, is there much of a problem with people advertising medical services that they aren't board certified to provide? 
Absolutely. Um, and um, we hear some very sad stories over the years of uh, physicians who um, have uh, sort of state that their practice is limited to something or that they um, specialize in something, but they're not board certified, but they still can say that. Uh, in a number of states, including California, you actually cannot say you're board certified unless you, uh, you are. Um, uh, and so... Um, that's very important, uh, but you know it's there's some procedures that it's not all that hard to for a doctor to learn how to do, um, uh, and uh, what they uh, can do is start to do those procedures without a lot of formal training. Uh, their medical license does allow for that because, as I mentioned uh, earlier um, to your listeners, that uh, it, the state just gives a general license for practicing care. It doesn't give a sort of certificate or any. The state will not declare a specialist because it doesn't have um, uh, that, uh, that obligation. Uh, and so if you're going for a certain type of procedure, you can end up going to someone who hasn't had formal training if you're not careful. So it's always good to see if they've been board certified. So one of the things that, let's, let's give a clear example. I, I'm going to be a little dermatology focused here. Person, a doctor can say, I'm a dermatologist. A doctor can hang a sign on their door that says dermatology. But if they're not board certified, they may have no formal training in dermatology whatsoever. Correct. And, you know, they may suggest you go through a procedure like a dermabrasion or um, Botox injection, and they may not actually have been formally trained in, in, in those. They may have just uh, taken a very short uh, weekend or uh, uh, several-day course in it and just started doing it. Um, a board-certified doctor not only knows uh, through a lot of um, training, it's actually supervised training where they learn to do these things um, under very close supervision in a graduated fashion where they first are highly supervised and then they become more independent uh, throughout their training you know, in doing these types of diagnoses and treatments. Now, I don't want to be too negative because it, it, it may turn out that a family physician, an ER doc, or an OBGYN may be extremely well-trained to give Botox and maybe maybe as good or better than a, a dermatologist. Um, but it's I, w- I just want to make sure the public is clear. If they wanted to see a dermatologist or a neurologist or a psychiatrist, that they can go to abms.org and find out if they're board certified in that field. Correct. Now, Correct. the scary thing... The thing that really terrifies me is that other people might say, I'm going to create a new board, and I'm going to certify doctors in it. I'm going to create the board of, I don't know, uh, cosmetic dermatology, and it not be an ABMS board. And, it, you know, it kind of like buying a college diploma from a, you know, a fly-by-night uh, online site that, you know, you send in your money and you get your diploma. Is that a problem too? Well, I think it's important to recognize that um, I mentioned that we have 24 boards that are part of the American Board of Medical Specialties, and and our boards have been um, uh, uh, in the process of certification now for up to 80 years. There are a number of boards that are not uh, part of the ABMS um, family of boards, uh, there may be as many as 100. We don't have a really good number on various uh, organizations that like to um, award board certificates. Um, the important part for these boards is many of them don't require much in the way of formal training. 
Um, many of them don't require much in the way of uh, formal assessment. Um, and so it is really a buyer beware concern. So it, just because your doctor says that they're board certified does not necessarily mean that they've been certified through a board of the American Board of Medical Specialties. I understand that some states are, um, are looking at legislation that would say you can't tell the public you're board certified unless it's by one of the ABMS boards. Is that true? That's true. There's, there's actually approximately 20 states where it, uh, this is formally uh, part of the rules of the state medical boards as to you can only advertise if you're part of, um, if you're certified by a board of the American Board of Medical Specialty or the um, Bureau of Specialties of the American Osteopathic Association. Um, and uh, a few of those states allow for a very small number of uh, just a handful of other boards that uh, uh, will, will, can be recognized in that sense. All right. So well, not all boards are the same, uh, and, and that's as viewed by the state medical boards. Well, that sounds very reasonable to me. Um, I greatly appreciate the time you've spent with us. In our, in our last few moments, do you have any specific suggestions for our listeners on how they can assure they're going to get great medical care from their physician? Yeah, well, of course I would start by, you know, this uh, check and see if their doctor is board certified, and I would suggest um, certified by one of the ABMS boards. Again, you can do that by going to abms.org. Um, but after that, um, and I would do that early in a relationship with a physician, uh, maybe uh, ideally before you even uh, go and see the physician, then um, make sure when you meet the physician that you have a real comfort in that, in that that physician really uh, has um, listens well and uh, seems to be taking a real clear interest in communicating with you in a way that you can feel comfortable with that individual. And that, and that is a very personal um, uh, feeling. I think those two pieces, first knowing that they've got the credentials to do what they're supposed to do technically, and then the second is, is to make sure that you have a real comfort. And if you go to a physician and you don't have that comfort uh, with communicating, that can be a problem because if you get to a point where you have a problem, you can't communicate that, no matter how good the physician's skill is, if, if you don't have that in place, things can go wrong. So those two things are most important. That's great. You know, someday I hope we enter an era where we consider communication one of the key technical aspects of care that we don't separate out, um, where we leave physicians feeling like, well, I'm technically good, even though I'm not a great communicator. Well, I'm sorry. If you're not communicating adequately, then you're not technically good either. Um, Dr. Weiss, thank you so much for being on the program. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for the invitation, and, uh, and I wish you a great day. Dr. Weiss and the American Board of Medical Specialties have set themselves to a very important but very difficult task, assessing the quality of medical care and helping assuring the quality of medical care for the population. Dr. Weiss has devoted his career to medical quality, and yet he still finds it tough to come up with, with good ways of measuring how well doctors are performing on a regular basis and certifying that quality to the public. Not only do you have to measure how well the doctor makes diagnoses, how accurately the doctor is treating patients, how up-to-date those treatments are. Also, you have to measure all the soft things. 
what kind of service the physician is providing, how well do they communicate to, with patients. All of these things are very difficult to measure in any kind of quantifiable way, but that's what the public is expecting more and more. In two weeks, uh, we'll be talking about electronic medical records on this show. Um, but even with the electronic medical records, it's still going to be difficult to quantify the quality of the art of medicine. Well, in the meantime, you can use the resources available. You can rate your doctor on physician rating websites like doctorscore.com. You can look up your doctor's rating. I think giving doctors feedback is a fabulous way of helping them achieve what doctors want to do most, which is to give their patients great care. You can use the ABMS website. It's a terrific way to find out if your physician is board certified. Just because a physician advertised they're board certified doesn't necessarily mean they're certified by one of those ABMS specialty boards. Other forms of board certification may or may not be as meaningful. It may be helpful to support regulations that limit physician advertising um, their board certification to certification by ABMS boards. That'll keep that board certified label more meaningful. Another thing I want to suggest to you as far as making sure you get great medical care is to consider getting a copy of the electronic book that I prepared. It's called Great Medical Care. It's, it's good advice about practical things you can do when you make uh, a visit to the physician, how to be prepared, how to empower yourself, and how to give your doctor advice, uh, feedback, so that they're giving you the kind of medical care you're looking for. On our show next week, we have a special guest, um, Dr. Cynthia Kelker. She's a practicing family physician and a medical writer. She's written a wonderful book um, that we're going to talk about on the, on the show next week. It's called 101 Ways to Save Money on Healthcare. Well, that's our show for today. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Until next time, have a healthy week. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.